Welcome to the Voices of Resilience podcast, a podcast series by NAML, a registered social enterprise and non-for-profit organization that helps forcibly displaced people earn a better living through dignified remote employment. We provide training and marketable skills and collaborate with organizations that support training in the digital skills required in today's digital economy. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Voices of Resilience podcast. I'm Clay Lowe and I am the presenter and host of the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to sharing this series with you. You know, during the course of making this podcast, I got a chance to meet some incredible people with incredible stories to tell. And I learned so much about the displaced community. You know, listening to their stories has totally, totally enhanced my perspective and increased my admiration for the individuals behind the stories. Now, in this episode, we are going to meet the founder of NAML, Lorraine Charles. She shares with us the story and the inspiration behind them all and why she started the social enterprise. We also meet Sonia and Izzy, two of the wonderful people who assist Lorraine on her mission to help forcibly displaced people earn a better living through dignified remote employment. So without further ado, Let's meet the team. My name is Lorraine Charles, and I'm the executive director and founder of NAML. I'm Isabella Everson. I lead the communications for NAML, and I also help with program coordination. My name is Sonia. I am a senior studying social research and public policy at New York University in Abu Dhabi. Uh, and I'm a program coordinator at NAMAL, overseeing some of the projects that we run. Awesome. So good to meet you all. And thanks for joining me today on the show. I'm quite excited to, and I'm sure the listeners will be quite excited about understanding the story, how NAMAL came to be, and you know, just all the exciting things that you are up to. So I guess the first question that I have is really what led to the formation of NAMAL? So NAMO was formed out of my research. I'm also research at Cambridge University, and I was doing research on the challenges that refugees faced for education, initially education in the Middle East. And then I became interested in what happens post-education around employment and livelihoods. And I did research um, looking at the livelihoods for Syrian refugees in Jordan and in Lebanon and Turkey. And this led me to understand the challenges they faced. And the main challenges they faced were, there were not enough jobs for the people that needed jobs. The governments in these places put different laws that didn't allow refugees to work. And finally, refugees were doing lots of training. They had a portfolio of certificates, but no jobs. And when I spoke to organizations that training, they had a very narrow view of what employment looked like. They believed that employment was, we. um, had to revolve around the host community. And this is where I saw something different. At that time, I was working remotely. So my big recommendation from that report was remote work for refugees. How can we reconceptualize employment um, to provide a new narrative for refugees to work outside of the host community? And um, in 2018, I met someone who also had the same idea. And this led to the creation of initially what was normal, initially just an idea talking to different people about it. And at that time, before COVID, the world was different, as we know. So no one was interested in this idea. But most importantly, no one even believed that it was possible, that there was a viable option. And I spoke to lots of people, very little interest, or little interest, just as a niche idea. And then COVID happened, and suddenly things changed. The world realized this is possible. 
And that's where we are. We registered, we registered before COVID. And in co- during COVID in 2020, the summer of 2020, we did our first project. And we haven't looked back since. Why do you think there was uh, less interest before COVID? Is it because we were forced to kind of all go online? Or what, what, was, what do you think that drove the difference in recept- receptability of, 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 of the organization? Before COVID, no one believed that remote work could be a thing, that it could be scalable, that it was possible for people to work remotely. And many of the people now that work remotely didn't do so before COVID. So I think COVID helped us reconceptualize the way we view work, the way we view how work is performed and, and you know, and how work is done. And um, and I think only because of, I think the trends were heading this way, but very, very slowly. So COVID accelerated this by, by perhaps 20 years, um, reconceptualizing work. And a lot of the tools we use now um, became more popular before because of COVID. I used Zoom before COVID, but very few people knew about it. Yeah, I've, I've found the same thing in my line of work as well. I've always wanted to do virtual training and companies were slow to adapt to that but then COVID they have no choice so and now I'm finding people don't even want to go back so I spend a lot of time my time in a sort of virtual um sort of space as well so yeah Yeah. and this is the new world we live in you know we all can work remotely and so can refugees so that's what led to NAML you know happening as it did awesome and can you enlighten us as to the name what does the the name mean where does it come from NAML is Arabic um, so it's sort of a play on words, Naamal, we work, and then Amal also means hope. So this is a, sort of a nice play on words, uh, we work, because of course it's about ref- it's about employment, digital employment, but also we be- I believe employment gives hope. I also I always say that jobs come first, even before education, and I think that that's very controversial because people you know in the development space they always say well we have to educate kids first, but I always say. If parents have jobs, kids have a better chance of being successful. So for me, jobs come first. And that's why we really wanted to have that job employment um, employment as central to our work. Awesome. Thank you for that. And Sonia, how did you get involved in NAMAL? Yeah, so um, init- I started volunteering with NAMAL when um, I was in my second year of university. And that time I was a community coordinator in charge of interacting and creating activities with the mentees and mentors from the mentorship program that was running that time. And um, after a while, I was given the possibility to intern. And that's when I became a program coordinator and I started to engage um, with the coordination of the many projects that NAMAL has been running, such as the mentoring programs and the migration summit. And ever since then, um, I kept going and I never looked back because I've been very fulfilled with the idea that my efforts can be fully invested through NAMAL in a work that is very important for refugees and displaced individuals. Right. And what what was your what what was your motivation and what was the attraction to do this kind of work? I really just wanted through my work to have an impact. But I didn't know where to start from. And um, when I learned about NAMAL uh, and I started to um, engage with them, I realized that this is the place where I'm supposed to be. And this is the time and uh, effort that I should invest 
um, into making things happen and help people who actually need help. All right. And I'm going to add to that because Sonia sent me the most beautiful letter um, on the contact page in Namo. And I read her letter and I thought, oh my God, I need this lady to work with me. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. <laughs> and how about you, Isabella, as you're taking a drink and I'm going to ask you this question. <laughs> how, well, I feel how, like <laughs> Sonia had a quite beautiful answer. So I'm, <laughs> I'm probably not going to have quite as lovely an answer. But um, I think similarly, um, I sort of originally started, um, well, I got in touch with Lorraine. I attended one of their meetings, I think, which was with a group of mentors, um, just to discuss the possibility of getting involved. I just recently graduated and I was looking for work. Similar to Sonia, I was looking for work in social impact. Um, as cliche as it sounds, uh, to me, it's really important working in a job or a field that, you know, you have some form of impact on people, you're doing something meaningful, um, especially, you know, with the privilege that I have and, and um, all the opportunities that I've been given. Um, I think it's really important to try and kind of, you know, use that um, to do something that benefits people. And yeah, I just, I started talking to Lorraine. I think straight away, you can tell she's um, got a lot of ambition. She's kind of doing all bits and bobs in different um, areas. And what she's built with NAMO is just, incredible and it's only been a couple of years but it's already kind of grown massively and had a huge uh impact and I knew I wanted to work in social impact but I wasn't really sure what to kind of do with that and it was only when I came across enamel that I realized this is exactly the kind of work I want to be doing and then a bit like Sonia I started doing sort of some communications and then um sort of helping out a bit more with uh the mentoring program um helping out a bit with some projects um, that keep coming in and um, new organizations that want to collaborate with NAMO. And it's just growing and growing. And it's so exciting. I awesome. love being part of it. And I was there when you got this idea. Wow. I was one of the, yeah. I was on that mentor program when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw the, I saw the birth of the idea. Your eyes lit up. You're like, oh yes, I'm in. <laughs> okay. I want to add to that as well. Sorry, I have to add to what all of you say. So in this session where I first met Izzy, she, you know, she said, well, I was looking at your Instagram pages and I thought, oh my God, that's a girl for me because I hate Instagram. And if, so, if she, <laughs> it needs to be fixed, I knew that she really researched the organization and really was interested in how we can grow and how we can improve. Awesome. Now, part of the, the uh, genesis behind this podcast is the Migration Summit. So, just curious to know what is the Migration Summit and kind of why is it important and how does it fit with the, the podcast? Now, I think we're calling the podcast the Voices of Resilience or the Voice of Resilience. So if you want to add to that in terms of tying those two together, that'd be great. So we had the first Migration Summit this year in April hosted by MIT and Karam Foundation and, and, and Anamal. And the idea was to really showcase um, have an event that's run for refugees, but really including refugees. A lot of conferences and events that talk about refugee issues that um, that are meant to have the voices, don't, their voices are often absent. And when I say often, probably 99% of the time, refugee voices are absent from these conversations that have to do with their lives. And so much of the development will be sort of led from the global south, global north, the global south where most refugees reside are excluded so we wanted to we wanted to host something to show that we could have an event 
where it's just which is centered around refugees, where refugees are part of it, where refugees help, you know, help us lead it, help us run it, but also their voices are very heard. So this was the inspiration to create the Migration Summit this year. It was a month-long event um, with virtual set with, with virtual sessions talking about issues that refugees face. There was about there was um, themes on storytelling, of which Sonia and Izzy led. We had livelihoods, we had education, we had entrepreneurship, and really to look at the challenges that refugees faced. And in a lot of cases, how they were overcoming these challenges. And a lot of the time we had some great, you know, we had good news stories. How were refugees overcoming their challenges and becoming successful? And this is what led to this, the creation of this podcast, because in the storytelling sessions that, that we hosted, there were only two or three sessions, we were also inspired by their stories. They were moving incredible it brought us to tears and we thought we want these stories to be recaptured and to be broadcast much more loudly. So, of course, the Migration Summit is all it's all on YouTube, but we wanted an, another medium for the world to hear their voices. Their, their stories are incredible. They're incredible people, what they've been through. But also we, we want to focus on, on who they are now and what they've achieved. And this is incredible. And we find so much of the narrative and news around refugees is around the problematics, around the problems, around, around how, uh, how they are problematic in their existence. And we wanted to show, that, to show something different. We want to normalize and familiarize the world that a refugee is no different to us. It's just a political label, which means nothing. So for us, the voice of, um, voice of resilience means that they've survived. Just like all of us, we all have survived. They have survived and they have been successful through, you know, despite the challenges which they faced. And so that's are, great. And what are some of the, the, the lessons learned that came out of, of the first summit? What did, what, what were some of the learnings that came out of that first summit? That it was hard work, <laughs> a lot of hard work, and we need to be much more organized a lot earlier, but no, what, what we're doing differently this year is we have committees and we have refugees leading the committees. We didn't quite have that last year, but this year, we have, it's all organized by refugees. You know, we have the, the hosting organizations and myself and someone from Karam Foundation and Lana, we're the sort of leads. But that means all we do is we sort of say yes or no to decisions. Usually yes, because what they say is usually fantastic. But they're doing everything themselves. They're leading it. They are creating it. And for us, that's the most powerful thing. So, so, fine. so this year, this is truly created by refugees for refugees, for the world to hear their voices. And what is the theme for 2023 leading into it? I see that the, the title is Co-Creating Pathways to Learning, Livelihood and Dignity. Can we talk a little bit about why that theme and what is it that we want people to sort of engage with or learn from that? I want, and and Sonia, Izzy, please jump in as well. So, oh. you know, education and livelihood is sort of the, the theme of the, you know, always the themes that run through because of the organizations that, that work there, but we wanted to show solutions, how people are, you know, uh, are surviving. And also somehow to offer uh, the opportunity for different stakeholders to engage with us and with the refugees and somehow work towards a call to action because we want to discuss about challenges and barriers, but then we want to forge connections and bridge um 
uh, people so that we can come up with a practical and hands-on yeah. solution. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, in kind of this field, the public and private sectors tend to sort of work in silos. So the aim of this is to try and get everyone together. You know, you're getting nonprofits um, uh, and universities and refugees and uh, foundations and researchers and policymakers. There's a huge variety of people. You're just getting everyone together to work on the common goal, which is, you know, solutions for education and, and livelihood because um, for displaced communities, access to education and workforce development can make all the difference. Great. And do we have a date yet for the the summit? When's yeah. that happening? I know we said twenty twenty three, but when 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 can people start to think about the or to mark their calendars for when it's gonna happen? It's through the month of April, so it's a whole month. And there's all sorts of sessions, interactive sessions. Um, like Lorraine said, there's storytelling, there's design workshops, um, there's panel discussions, there's uh, exhibits, um, hackathons. It's a combination of all sorts. Great. And where can people go to sign up for the summit and secure their place? Um, well, you can go to the website, which is migrationsummit.org. Okay, yeah. and all they have to do is go and there and they can sign up from, from that space. And can they pick different, do they have to attend the whole event or can they just pick yeah. and choose the ones that they want to go to or attend? Yeah, absolutely. If they go to the website, you can see all the information there and all the different sessions as they kind of get um, solidified. But yeah, you can attend whichever sessions you want, as few or as many as you, as, as you wish. Excellent. And Sonia, I understand that you were sort of hot on the whole sort of podcasting gig and you really wanted to get a podcast going. So what is it about podcasting uh, that attracted you and why did you feel that it would be great to connect that with the Migration Summit? Well, maybe I should start first with explaining how we started thinking about this podcast and why we wanted to create this podcast. So uh, last summer, I remember I was with you, Clay, and uh, Lorraine in a meeting and with Izzy as well. And um, we were talking with you when you asked us, why don't you guys do a podcast? Because you've been working with so many talented refugees and displaced individuals so far. And I think it would be a great idea to somehow share their stories with, uh, with the world. Uh, and that's when we thought about, yeah, actually having a podcast would be a great idea, but not just a normal podcast, a podcast through which we could amplify their voices. Um, because these people, as Lorraine uh, mentioned previously, they have amazing, inspiring stories. And these stories need to be heard by a larger audience. Um, and why specifically stories? Um, I think because uh, often when we hear about refugee crisis, we are mainly given statistics and numbers, which are very important. But we often don't realize that each individual that is part of the statistics and numbers, they have a very personal story that is often forgotten. Um, and more than anything, um, I believe that through this podcast, um, it is important to acknowledge that many times the, la the label of refugee um, implies the idea that um, refugees are powerless victims without any full agency. But the reality is that 
these people, they fled their countries in order to find better life prospects and work opportunities. And they are not powerless victims. They are individuals with full um, agency because they are doing a lot with very few resources in order to rebuild their lives from scratch. Um, and I think the, the bigger aim of this podcast, besides amplifying their voices, is to contribute in our capacity, of course, to shifting the narrative from refugees being perceived as powerful victims to individuals with full agency. Yeah. Was there something that you wanted to add to that, Isabella? Because I know you're the marketing communications guru as well, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think Sonia, I think, covered everything important. I think she worded it beautifully. Um, yeah, I think you'll hear, um, the listeners will hear, you know, throughout the podcast that um, these people are really, really inspiring, incredible individuals. Um, and I think, yeah, like Sonia said, it's really easy. You know, you see on the news vast um, quantities of refugees and it's obviously increasing. It's devastating. But you forget that each individual has an incredible journey, an incredible story. And they're so resilient and hardworking. And I think there's a lot of there's a stereotype of, of the classic refugee. And I think a lot of that is actually wrong. So I think a big part of it is kind of showing that actually, um, you know, they're human beings who are hardworking, who are resilient, who are, um, uh, you know, they can they can be of any profession, of any um, of anything. And I think it's just inspiring to hear each of their stories, how different they all are, um, and yet how strong they all are, um, and how they've overcome so much. And it's purely because of their circumstance or their passport or where they started. That's the only difference. Mm. And I think we, I think we we're at a time where any of us can become a refugee with climate change. Now there, you know, it doesn't discriminate. War doesn't discriminate. Climate change certainly doesn't discriminate. And this could happen to anyone. So we really need to sh to to set a model so that everyone can be treated with dignity. Excellent. And. What can people expect from listening to the podcast? What are, what are we hoping to um, achieve and give the listeners to, you know, why should people tune in is what I'm asking. Why should they listen to the podcast going forward? Because I obviously listened to this episode. And if you made it this far, thanks for listening this far. But why <laughs> should people continue um, with this series? Well, um, so do you want to go ahead first or? Well, no, I mean, I'll just start by saying, I think uh, one small thing is probably a bit of a taster of um, what's to come at the Migration Summit. And also um, because every single speaker in this podcast will have a very different and unique story, um, which is, as we mentioned before, very inspiring and moving. Maybe them sharing their stories is going to motivate and inspire other refugees or displaced individuals who might be in very similar situations. Um, and not only them, but also actors and stakeholders who are in charge and responsible of helping these people. Because um, again, if refugees would have enough resources and access to the basic human rights that every person is entitled to, they would be able to 
create so many amazing things and it will be it would be much easier for them to uh, rebuild their lives from zero so i think through the episodes that we are going to have in this podcast people will kind of they will they will get a sense of the barriers and challenges existent out there and also they will feel that call to action that we collectively should do something about it and provide these people with the resources they need in order to go on with their lives and um, have a dignified life. So now one question that I ask each of our guests on the podcast is how can we go about changing the narrative and breaking the stereotypes of refugees? Because you've, you've each mentioned, you know, the media is how a lot of people um, get their sense of what a refugee is or what that sort of means. And it's usually through media, the TV, print, that sort of thing. Um, but without taking necessarily the time to engage with individual refugees as, as, a, as a person. So what can, what can people start to do to work towards sort of change in the narrative or breaking the, the stereotype? And I'll start with Lorraine first. What can people do? I don't know, read, listen, understand. <laughs> listen um, to this podcast. <laughs> podcast, yeah. Um, I mean, educate yourself because there's so many misconceptions about what, what about the refugee crisis. In fact, there was this interesting mini quiz that, that there was on LinkedIn, um, you know, six questions about a refugee crisis. And, and it said something like 96% of people get all the questions wrong. There is a misconception of what a refugee is, why they fled, the number of refugees. People think that we're swarmed by refugees. People think that refugees are all in Europe. We need to educate ourselves. You know, so one interesting fact is people think that Europe has a refugee crisis. In Lebanon, one in four people are refugees. That's a refugee crisis. Europe does not have a refugee crisis. And uh, Isabella, from your point of view, what do you think, um, from your perspective, that you know what people could do to sort of break the sort of stereotype or change the the narrative? I think, yeah, I think um, you know, I was joking about listening to the podcast, but it, like Lorraine said, it is about just educating yourself. It's about actually understanding um, the reality of the situation and the reality of. Um, people's journeys to try and understand better actually what it entails I think I don't blame a lot of people for not understanding truly because if you're not exposed to it if you don't if if you don't you know hear about it or or see any see it up close or read about it then it's hard to properly understand because all you hear is kind of drips and drabs maybe things from the media maybe things from you know your circle of people so I think education is 100% the first place to start you know talking to people you never know maybe like someone's got um more personal experience someone they know or someone that's close to them or um reading you know if you don't like reading there's films there's great films out there that have um wonderful perspectives on um displaced people um attending the migration summit or or events that have you know refugee voices or organizations working alongside refugees um understanding what solutions or what potential um, changes can be made to improve these situations and yeah talk 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 educate educate yeah, i love it how about yourself sonia what's uh what's your perspective on this well definitely highlighting everything that lorraine and izzy said i think it's very important to focus on the education part but also 
um, maybe this kind of like small acts that each of us could do in terms of speaking up whenever we see any sort of like kind of discrimination against any refugee um, and um, any violation of their their rights because at the end of the day we are all humans and we should all have access to this uh, to these rights. Um, and more than anything, maybe try somehow with the help of organizations, NGOs, uh, social enterprises, for profits, somehow try to challenge the governments and uh, different institutions to take action and change policies. Because I think everything starts um, on the policy level. You give a policy, people are affected by it. Uh, so trying to have this conversation with the higher entities and convince them to change the policies for the better, um, I think that's what we could do individually and collectively. Excellent. I just want to add just a tiny thing, kind of um, building on what I think Lorraine said before, is I think also with the whole changing the narrative, I think also it's quite important to for people to try and really understand you know try and really relate to their situation try and really understand it could be you it's not us and them it's not refugees of this group of people it's humans as a whole and and people who unfortunately are in um certain situations and just understanding that it could be you at any point in time it could have been you if you were born somewhere else and trying to just relate as much as possible instead of having this kind of individual seeing them as a separate group and it could be you tomorrow because well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I would recommend, having had an opportunity now to interview some of our guests, that, that if you can, find someone that's been in this position, a refugee, former refugee, someone is displaced, and have a cup of coffee with them and listen to their story. I mean, you're going to listen to, you're going to hear some of the stories on this podcast, but there's nothing like sitting down, having a cup of coffee and hearing what someone's story is like and bring a greater context to what sort of journeys people have to kind of go through to get where they are and, and just trying to live a life under those kind of circumstances as well. So on that note, I think, Sonia, you were going to tell us or give us a, a, a sense of what we got coming up in terms of guests. Yes. So, um, our guests are incredible individuals. They are parents, they are students, they are workers. Uh, they, they are people with big dreams. Um, most of them moved from Syria to Canada, to um, UK, to Turkey, um, in order to find better lives uh, and um, find better work opportunities. And I think what's really inspiring about them is that they are also leaders in their small or bigger communities because they don't work just towards rebuilding their lives, but they have a great impact on the people surrounding them. Many of them are co-founders and founders of very wonderful organizations that uh, tackle refugee uh, crisis. Uh, some of them are artists. They create songs uh, with um, refugees from the different parts of the world. They are very creative and they are exactly like us. Okay. Any final thoughts that you want to add as we go ahead and get ready to wind down the podcast? I'll start with you, Lorraine. Final thoughts? Yeah. I just want to say that um, we really hope that you tune in to the podcast 
to the podcast, but also to the Migration Summit, because you'll really hear the voices. You'll hear refugees leading. You'll hear refugees responding to questions. You'll hear refugees telling us what we need to do. So much of the so much of the um, of the of the policies and the decisions are top down, being made by institutions in the global north. The refugees have no agency to say what they want. Does does this work for them? Is this what they want? So we think in this migration summit, we really hear their voice, you know, hear them and to understand, yes, this is what we want to hear what they want. And then, you know, and then we can really negotiate a way forward because yes, we know that there are, that there are interests in, in, in organizations that support refugees, but their interests should not be the priority. The priority should be those that are receiving the help. And, and I had an interesting discussion about the word beneficiary. This beneficiary is a word which sort of promotes lack of agency. We don't use that word anymore. The people that we work with have agency. And as I said, a refugee can be us tomorrow. So if we keep that in mind, I think we can move forward with a sense of, you know, with, with a sense of honesty. Tomorrow we could be the refugee. So let's so let's recognize that we have to treat everyone fairly, refugee, non-refugee, no matter what you are, what passport you hold, what you look like. We're all people. And I think that's what I really want people to understand. They're no different to us. Uh, Izzy, final thoughts. Um, well, yeah, I also just want to say um, whether, you know, um, it's tuning into the podcast or the Migration Summit, um, I think it, it can be anyone as well. I think, it, you know, as we'd love stakeholders and people who can take action and people who are going to work towards helping us implement these solutions or design the solutions or create the solutions. Um, but I think it's just as important as just, you know, the average person who just wants to learn more and wants to understand better. Um, I think... Yeah, I think there's a whole range of people that can join the podcast and the Migration Summit um, for a variety of reasons and whatever you want to gain from it. Um, but just get involved. Great, thank you. And Sonia, final thoughts? Yes, everything that Lorraine and Izzy mentioned. And on top of that, uh, I would urge everyone to practice active listening. Active listening to these stories. Uh, active listening in a sense that it's not just enough to listen, but also try to do something about it. Um, and what thing that um, our audience could do is to share our work, share this podcast further, because we really want to amplify the stories of our speakers. Yes. Great plug. So make sure you all subscribe to the podcast and share it with two other people after you finish listening to this particular episode because it'd be great to just get these voices out there isn't it i think so okay awesome thank you much for your time today absolutely enjoyed understanding a little bit more about yourselves and the organization as well and what we're trying to achieve before ending our episode we want to invite you to participate in the event organized as part of the migration summit 2023 which will happen throughout the month of april the summit organized along with the mit refugee action hub and Quran foundation will explore the theme, co-creating pathways to learning, livelihood and dignity through virtual and in-person events hosted by participating individuals and partners around the world. Make sure you check the Migration Summit website at migrationsummit.org to learn all you need to know about the events, sub-themes or different summit editions and subscribe to get updates.